What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain. Quick message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting is a top Bitcoin and crypto betting site that allows you to place bets in casino games, sports books, racing, gaming, you name it. It's your money. You should be able to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply have fun with it too outside of traditional investing so check out all the action at nitrobetting.eu all links are in the description below enjoy the episode guys What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 360. Today, I have Jake Claver on, the director of Digital Ascension Group, to talk about digital asset custody, recent partnerships that they are putting together as of right now, and overall what he's working on in this side of the space. Jake, welcome to the show, man. Super happy to have you here. How you doing? Thank you for having me, Brennan. Uh, really glad to be here. Um, Great to be on the show, and I'm excited to discuss what uh, what you laid out there. Yeah, man. Super happy to talk to you today. Um, we're going to have a good conversation. Before we do, tell people a little bit about uh, yourself. What's your story? What's your background? How did you find yourself interested in getting involved in the space? So I guess it kind of started for me in 2020. Um, I had some money set aside. Uh, COVID happened. Dove into the market. I'd, I'd gone to school for finance, and... Um, I had a traditional 401k at one of my previous employers and um, was doing a sales job, um, helping them scale their business and um, just took the opportunity. Right. So stocks were uh, slammed when COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And so I jumped in, got into tech stocks, uh, into things that I thought would do well. So uh, Facebook, Amazon, Google, Tesla, and um, nice. rode those back up um, when they got close to the same levels that they were pre-COVID. I didn't know if it was going to be a dead cat bounce or not. So I started looking to diversify um, a little over double my money on those in that time frame, and um, was watching a debate between Peter Schiff and a, and a Bitcoin guy. And I don't I don't remember who the Bitcoin guy's name was at this point. But was it uh, uh, Eric? Was it Eric Voorhees? Actually, you know what? I think it was Eric. And um, Anyway, he, he was very intelligent, well put together, well spoken, um, and he explained Bitcoin in a way that, that allowed me to understand it, which I, I hadn't before. Right. I thought it was a Ponzi scheme like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, once I understood that it was software and that there was scarcity and, and how the asset could continue to accrue value, I dove in. Right. And then and then I started to look across the other 10,000 assets that existed at the time. And uh, when, when you're ignorant about a space, you diversify right to hedge risk and so that's what i did got into a bunch of different projects uh toward the bottom which was nice uh in 2020 rode that up through the bull run did really well um into early 21 and at that point i had amassed enough money that it, it started to make sense to look toward setting up 
um, my estate and establishing things. And I had aggregated um, some professionals at that point that are specific to digital assets here in the U.S., you know, a CPA, an estate planner, uh, wealth manager that was willing to discuss those things and um, put some stuff together for myself. And a little over three or four months later, I started, um, I was consulting with business owners at the time, had stepped away from my previous employer. And um, I found out that, that there was nobody else really discussing estate planning, tax mitigation strategies, and what that looked like for digital assets when I got on Twitter and started doing so. And um, <laughs> so uh, after people kind of glazed over in those conversations, I thought, you know, this is a niche I probably should go after. And so since then, we've put together um, full scope for family office services that cater to digital asset liquidity events. So if you make, you know, over $20 million in crypto, we help you um, set up your estate, here in the U.S. or internationally, doesn't matter. Uh, we have professionals all across the globe. And um, as far to my knowledge, we're, we're the only company that's done this, put together like a one-stop shop for wealth management and estate planning in the digital asset space. And that's what Digital Ascension Group is. Got it. What, what kind of goes into that as well? Like if you're someone or you're a family office or just a, or a group or even a company, I guess, and you're uh, profiting big time on crypto, you know, making 10, 20, $30 million or something like some crazy amount. Um, is it more of a matter of looking and creating like a customized tax strategy to figure out how to mitigate those taxes, how to manage that wealth? Um, or do you have like a, a plan in general that you guys have like formulated as proprietary that kind of goes into that? That's, you know, cookie cutter for most people. Um, or I'm just kind of curious, like what the steps kind of look like for that. Absolutely. So uh, all of the above. <laughs> Sometimes it's very bespoke, depending on um, what an individual has and their long term goals. And that's that's where we start with people. So if, if you're at that level of wealth, um, it's it's very important that you put together a family compass or a constitution that basically lays out what the intent of the wealth is for the family into the future. And um, we, we look at a hundred year time frame within that document, um, which is uh, normally not the case. A lot of people think in, you know, maybe five or 10 year timeframes, maybe a couple decades. But when we're looking at that, we try to make it flexible enough that over the next century, um, as family members come in and inherit the wealth and manage the wealth, they're able to um, work within the guidelines that the original matriarch or patriarch set up for the family. And so uh, there's that piece that and that has a mission statement, core values, principles, um, and then secondary to that, we'll have, a, have an ethics document that basically stipulates how the family members should act in accordance with, you know, what the family wants to do. Uh, and then um, adjacent to that, we would have a governance document that stipulates the constraints around access to the wealth, uh, what it would be used for. Um, we'll set up a board of advisors, which will have a few family members on it, and then a financial committee, which could have family members on it, but often has um, more more professionals that are catered toward the management of the company or, or the, the family office um, just to keep family politics out of, out of playing into things. Uh, but once we, once we have, you know, the long-term intent of the family and the direction that they want to go, then we'll work with an estate planner to establish the entities. Um, hopefully you establish some of the entities prior to price appreciation. Uh, that way you can mitigate some of the tax obligations that you would incur, especially if you do take profit 
um, at least having it in a company, uh, you have a lot more flexibility than you, you would if you're just holding it as an individual, regardless of what jurisdiction you reside in. Um, and once you have it there, then we can set up a trust. There's lots of different types of trusts that might be in alignment with what the family wants to do long term. And we do have, you know, templates that we work with um, with multiple estate planners, depending on, you know, what you want to do. And then obviously we've got an investment thesis that uh, the family would set forth in the constitution. Um, you know, a lot of people that make their money in digital assets probably want to continue to play in that realm because they understand it. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you would you would likely want to diversify a portion of your wealth outside of that into another sector or vertical that you do understand. So that's that's where we help as well with other types of alternative investments or traditional investments uh, through the RIA that we're establishing in, inside of our family office. And you do this globally too, right? So it doesn't have to be just in the United States. It can be elsewhere, Europe, Asia, maybe, et cetera. Yeah, we, we have tax professionals across the globe that we work with. Um, that are specific to digital assets in each jurisdiction. Um, some jurisdictions are, are more favorable than others, obviously. And so a lot of times we'll recommend that, that people establish the entity that's going to, you know, hold their digital assets or their wealth for the long term in a separate jurisdiction than where they reside. Uh, and we work with the professionals all around the world that can do that. Awesome. Do you also help set up entities in certain locations as well? You know, whether it's a trust, whether it's a company, um, like let's say you're based out of the U S and you want to maybe take advantage of certain regulations, laws, et cetera, either for your family office, your business, and I don't know, Hong Kong or Singapore or Panama, or, you know, there's so many different jurisdictions and places with different benefits and different opportunities. Um, that's something you guys do too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we would construct your estate again, you know, in alignment with your long-term goals. Some people want to leave the U S or what other jurisdiction they reside in. We have a lot of clients in the UK that um, understand that that's not the most favorable jurisdiction. Uh, same thing with Canada. Uh, we work with a few professionals there that'll help you set things up in the Caymans or, you know, Singapore, Dubai, um, maybe Switzerland. We look at Nevis. There's, there's a lot of places that have advantages. Um, and then based on, again, you know, where you might want to go and how you want to set things up for the long term, we, we'll establish um, trusts and maybe in multiple jurisdictions. Uh, we might have holding companies that reside in other jurisdictions that are owned by that trust. Um, it's, it's a bit more complicated in certain circumstances, but um, yeah, we, we work with the professionals and, and I, just to be transparent, I know enough to get in trouble <laughs> about all this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a bit younger and um, but the, the professionals that we work with have been doing this for decades. And so um I, they, they lean on me for expertise when it comes to the digital asset side of things. And I lean on them when it comes to uh, more of the traditional wealth management, estate planning. And then we kind of marry those two together. That's cool, man. Do you have a particular jurisdiction in mind that you think is probably the most favorable in regards to digital assets at the moment? Um, Dubai and AUE, uh, along with Singapore, are, are both fantastic uh, Switzerland, like I mentioned, Nevis, the Caymans, um, all those have specific benefits. If, if you do want to reside, well, if you want to keep things stateside, uh, Wyoming has the most favorable uh, laws around digital assets here in the U.S., um, state-wise, you know. Um, but if you're moving international, those locations that I mentioned uh, tend to be some of the, the most used. 
Shout out to Wyoming. I have a company there. <laughs> For the same reasons, all the, all the benefits. Yeah. I, I love Wyoming's laws around LLCs. Um, yeah, you get, uh, you get attorney-client privilege, so it makes it difficult mm-hmm. for anybody to figure out who's associated with that entity. Uh, there is a law that's being set forth in, in January of 24, where all uh, companies do have to provide the, the federal government um, the beneficiaries of of the LLC. So, you know, that's why you definitely probably, well, you want to trust in place uh, so that you can you kind of mitigate some of that and still remain anonymous in certain circumstances. But uh, then there's no state tax in Wyoming. And, and obviously we discussed that it's the most favorable jurisdiction for digital assets in the U.S. Absolutely. You guys also have a partnership that you guys are either in or working on with PolySign and Standard Custody and Trust, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're their first ever wealth management account uh, for an RIA or a family office. And um, that, that gives people access to institutional custody that, that may have not otherwise had access, right? So uh, up to this point, you know, it didn't make sense really with the fees that were associated to hold less than two to three million dollars worth of digital assets with them. They, they do work with high net worth individuals, um, funds, you know, people, people that are managing 20 million plus. Uh, similar to ourselves. Um, so we have clients that, that hold their assets there. And, and a lot of my clients made money in business or the real estate and other areas and then have a, an allocation to digital assets, right? That might be, it's not their entire net worth. It might be 5, 10, 20, 30%. Sometimes it's higher if, if they've made a lot of their money in digital assets. Um, but they, they allow you to have $50 million worth of insurance on the vaults under our account. And that's just the standard. Uh, because of the the security that's inherent to their platform and the way they've structured things, um, but we we will custody you know as low as a uh, hundred thousand dollars for a client um, if they are accredited they can work with us. The the only other caveat there is that um, the digital assets do have to be held in in a corporation or a trust in order to be under our account. Okay, got it. Um... What what is institutional custody? I, we hear a lot about that kind of stuff in this space, and we hear the word institutional thrown around quite a lot. And it's it's a bit more broad, I think, than what it could be specifically in terms of how it's explained to most people. So, just kind of curious in your own words, your own opinion. You know, when you talk about institutional custody in particular, is that referring to? like banks and funds, or is that a different type of entity or does it mean something entirely different? Um, how would you sum it, sum it up? Um, so you'd be a qualified custodian in whatever jurisdiction you reside in. So there's certain licensure and regulation that have to be implemented around the accounts. And that's what I would qualify as institutional custody. So a lot of people are familiar with, you know, you might have a cold wallet that you self custody you might use a hot wallet like Atomic Wallet or Exodus, uh, where you can easily exchange your digital assets held there for other things and trade inside that environment. I, I believe that Nano Ledger also has uh, that capability. Um, and then you've got, you know, exchanges where people hold digital assets that, that they want to execute trades on as well. Um, and all, those are all forms of custody. But um, and, and exchanges are subject to capability. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. 
all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. YCEAML compliance, similar to institutional custody. And I think that the regulations that are coming in around that will move them more toward an institutional environment. Um, Uphold is already on the leading edge of that if, if anybody uses that platform. Um, the, the main difference that we provide is the insurance, right? So if you were to work with a, a normal bank, um, you do have FDIC insurance, whether you believe that's right. good or not. <laughs> that's questionable these days. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, Hey guys, quick message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting takes your desire for anonymity seriously and allows you to play without the need to worry about identity checks and personal information. It's a betting site, not an investment site, so you should be able to just have fun. As a top trusted Bitcoin betting site, Nitro Betting has truly got your back. Now, back to the episode, guys. These are insured, and this is crime insurance through uh, standard custody. So um, it's not like Fireblocks where the insurance is on the infrastructure. Uh, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really apply to the the individuals that are using that technology. This is specific to your account and your digital assets. If you were to get hacked somehow, um, then you know you actually do qualify for that fifty million in insurance, and that, that's through Lloyd's of London. Um, and and you can actually, if you know, if your assets were to exceed that amount, and you wanted to hold them all in the same vault, you could uh, pay for uh, a, a higher threshold of insurance on your vault under our account. Um, you still get a hardware device. Uh, most people are used to, you know, some type of physical device that, mm-hmm. that they're required to plug into their computer. So we have uh, a YubiKey that's associated with your uh, identity. Um, and with that, you're able to sign for transactions. The other common concern that I get around this for institutional custody is, um, does, does PolySign or Standard Custody own your assets like a creditor? And that's not the case, right? So they just provide the environment. It's basically the most secure cold wallet on the planet is really what it is. Um, They have no ability to execute transactions on your behalf or take your assets or do anything with them. They don't have a backdoor. If if all the signers on the account died in a plane crash, wouldn't be good, right? Um, Now, the other benefit here is you do have the ability to set up beneficiaries and it's easily transferable, uh, especially under our account. Right. So we'll make sure that we facilitate that. If you were to pass away, your loved ones would inherit the digital assets in accordance with your will, your trust, um, which is another large concern for people. You know, I had that for a long time. I have a crypto buddy uh, that I had in my will. And, you know, if I were to pass away for whatever reason, my family is not proficient with this stuff. um, Mm -hmm. They would then, you know, come in and be able to help them. But that's somebody you really got to trust. Right. Um, yeah. And in this instance, you don't even have to trust us. We're a single signatory on the account. We would just work with, um, you know, again, the, the guidelines that you had set forth. You designate beneficiaries. You designate another signer for your account that's a backup signatory in case you were incapacitated or for whatever reason couldn't sign. Uh, they can do that on your behalf and make sure that your family's taken care of. Uh, if it's inside of a trust, we'll have uh, a trustee that's on the account that would also Uh, be a fiduciary and make sure that that transition took place. So a lot of things that exist with this, um, there are concerns that the average person might have if they're self-custodying that uh, this provides solutions for. Very cool. So we'll just make sure all the signers aren't on the same plane or the same bus all at the same time, right? And that's the other benefit of our account, right? It's it's Mm -hmm. very unlikely that we're going to be on a plane with you and your wife or 
you know, where right. there's a large separation here. Whereas if it's, if it's just you and your wife that are signatories on this account, uh, or even you and your trustee for whatever reason, and the trustee is a lot of people designate themselves as the trustee on their mm-hmm. estate, um, just so that you have control over things. Um, if it's a if it's an asset protection trust that the assets would reside within, then you're going to have to designate somebody else besides yourself. But um, if it's a family member, you have that exposure, right? So under our account, right. you know that alleviates some of that risk. Exactly, I, I've been there too. We my family has one as well in terms of like at least estate planning, and we have at least one individual in our family who's not quite inept in the ability to handle a situation like that. Like, let's say we were all on a plane and that one individual was not, and we all died. That one individual doesn't really have the ability to go and do all these things or figure out what to do, how to get the money, how to recover it, how to apply it, what even, what bills to even pay or, you know, how to, you know, keep on going. Um, so it's, it's always helpful and to have like at least some kind of trusted third party that can come in and facilitate that, you know, absolute worst case scenario. Um, you know, provide a little bit of handholding there. So it's, it's good that you guys do that, you know, assuming everyone's all on one plane, God forbid. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the insurance side of it, what, what kind of goes into that in terms of insuring it? I know you mentioned FDIC being one avenue um, and there are other av- avenues as well. And I'm just kind of curious, like how the insurance side plays into protecting those assets. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> standard custody operates very different to other trust banks and qualified custodians in the U.S. Um, they have uh, hardware security modules that are placed in level four facilities that, that execute these transactions algorithmically instead of with a person. And, um, it, you know, some people have a, an IRA that has digital assets in it. And that, I would qualify that as institutional custody. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of regulation around the accounts and, and how they're held and, and what needs to be done. So, but when you execute a trade, let's say you go through iTrust, okay? Um, there's somebody that walks into that level four facility with the guards at four o'clock every single day. And that person goes in there and executes those transactions for you. Um, that's a lot of liability and exposure because people make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. And if you fat finger an address, we've probably all sent some money into the abyss at this yep. point, if, if you've been that. dealing with digital assets. And so <clears throat> there's just that exposure, right? And so with that, just that piece there, um, Lloyds of London and other people won't insure things because there is risk associated with it. Whereas with this, there is no human interaction for these transactions and so no exposure. And because of it's been proven time and time and time and time again, uh, that it's executed without any error. That's that's what allows them to facilitate the the 50 million in insurance, and then also the redundancies that are built into the platform. So, just as an example, you know, let's let's say uh, like our protocol, you you have to message our company that you want to execute a transaction. We'll initiate the transaction. Uh, you then sign the second portion of the transaction um, for the amount you know, everything that you designated for us to put through. Uh, if we see something from you and you didn't contact us, we nix it. We don't sign. Same thing. Uh, if you see something from us and you didn't request, nix it, don't sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after all that, let's say you, you know, you record the videos, you have the YubiKey, somebody deep fakes you, like all the other crazy things that they would have to do to execute this deal. Um, you have green listed addresses that the assets can be sent to. 
so worst case scenario, they can send it to the cold wallet that you have on on file for them to be able to send it to. Um, and and if you wanted maximum security, you just wouldn't even designate an address. Uh, and that takes 24 hours for approval. So if you did want to green list an address, let's say you do want to send it somewhere to execute a transaction on another platform or something, um, you could put that request in and it would take 24 hours for them to process it. So there's just, there's so many redundancies in place that it makes it almost inconceivable that you would ever have exposure to being hacked on this platform. Um, and then the way that the, the keys are stored um, for the wallets, they're actually sharded. So you get your seed phrase, they shard those, and then they hold those across uh, multiple jurisdictions uh, on those hardware security modules. And then only when you sign the transaction and everybody approves are those pulled back together to execute a transaction. So, I mean, in theory, it's also quantum proof. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the main reason that they're able to garner the significant uh, insurance that they have. Nice, man. It seems well thought out. Um, what would you say to people out there that are a little wary still about custing their digital assets over the course of the last year and a half, especially in 2022? Um, obviously, there's been a whole bunch of different negative events within the space from uh, Voyager and Celsius to FTX, um, you know, and then you have government agencies like the SEC constantly going after exchanges and companies. And we've seen in record numbers, people pulling their Bitcoin and Ethereum from um, custody, from exchanges, from these institutions, from these companies, from Coinbase to Binance to Gemini, you name it, because they're just um, too afraid of what's going on in the market. So everything's in self-custody. You know, that might be good for the digital asset market in the long term, actually. But, um, you know, in terms of taking advantage of those tools and services, you know, that has taken a little bit of a back step and people have to think, you know, how do we improve these systems and make them better like you guys are? Um, so for the people out there that have their money in self-custody, you know, what would you say to them about, you know, what you guys are doing to reassure them that, hey, you know, this is, you know, a better way forward. This is the best way to put your, your front foot forward into trusting a custody service to uh, so that you can, you know, take advantage of these tools and services and trade and, and invest and, and do all these things. Yeah. So just to what I've mentioned before, you, you don't have any exposure with this. So standard custody trust only offers custody. They don't take leverage with your assets. They don't even have access to the assets. They're just providing the infrastructure for the most secure cold wallet solution in the world. So you, you're technically still self custody. Uh, but just in an institutional environment, right? Got uh, which is the crazy part. And and let's say they went bankrupt, you know, for whatever reason they go down, your assets are safe. They're still in your own wallet, in your own vault uh, that's supported by their systems, um, which isn't going away. I mean, those are already paid for in the clear. It's not like they could take that down. Um, mm -hmm. The wallet address, you can verify publicly, you know, where your funds are. Uh, it's not like it. And, and that's another benefit here. They're not commingled. So a lot of exchanges will have an omnibus account that's specific to Bitcoin or Ethereum or XRP or whatever other assets you have uh, with a tag. Right. And so that's how they kind of you, you have a routing number, which is their big wallet address. And then uh, your account number, which is your tag. So they know how much on their accounting that they owe you. Um, you're not a you're not a creditor of PolySign or Standard Custody. Um, you're self-sovereign. Right. And that's that's what most people still want. They, they want control of their assets, uh, but they would like to have the insurance and all the benefits that we discussed earlier. And, and you pointed out the trading side of things. 
they don't facilitate any of that. Um, now, in concert with our account, uh, we've been able to partner with Uphold and their OTC desk. And so with that, we're able to facilitate larger trades at very low uh, fees, uh, 15 to, to 50 basis points, depending on the liquidity of the asset. And um, your assets actually never leave your account. So we escrow whatever it is in your wallet. They issue you a trade line against that. You're then able to execute the transaction and then they settle up later. So let's say you, you know, you're concerned about sending your assets onto an exchange to execute a trade. There's, that's not even a concern with our account. You don't have that exposure because of what we've been able to put together. Um, we're also working to establish the ability with other institutional players for uh, collateralized loans. So a lot of people are a fan of DeFi where you can you know, hold your asset in an escrow, get a line of credit against it at a low interest rate uh, or a loan for whatever the LTV of that is. So the loan to value ratio, you know, those, those interest rates on those are wildly different depending on what platform you go to. Uh, mm -hmm. But the, the problem, and, and, and a lot of people like DeFi and I do too, but the issue there is um, if you did have volatility in the asset, they're gonna liquidate you, right? They're gonna recover their loss. You, you don't get a choice. Uh, there's going to probably be, you know, one capital call and then they pull the plug on you. Um, with orange is established um, first right of refusal. So let's say you, you do have your Bitcoin, you've got a line of credit or um, a loan against it and you saw volatility, let's say it pulls down 30% and you took out 70% LTV, there'll be a capital call, right? And let's say you can't fill the capital call. Um, you'll at least get a certain period of time where you get first right of refusal. So you can buy it back, you can go get a loan from a buddy, you can you can pull that liquidity from somewhere else to purchase that asset back uh, before you, you lose it forever. And so that's, that's the main benefit here versus the DeFi protocol. And um, that's something that we should have, you know, within the next 30 to 45 days. Interesting. Um, between you or Uphold or PolySign, is, is there a way for people to potentially uh, stake that crypto, maybe earn yield from it um, like they do like on Coinbase or Binance, or maybe even to borrow against it, maybe take out a collateralized loan? Um, I know these are options that are really interesting to people that don't want to really come off the asset, but that want it to go to work for them or that want to pull out some liquidity. So they, they do provide staking, but it's only for a limited portion of the assets held there. So they currently custody 31 assets. The only asset that they currently provide staking on is Solana. Um, mm. And that's because it's delegated proof of stake. So the asset never has to leave the wallet. Um, now, the benefit of institutional custody where there's multiple signatories on the account for staking is that there's um, it impedes your ability to readily use the funds. And so inside US tax law, that's the qualification for the taxation of rewards uh, when staking. So just to like break that down for people, um, you, you might have Algorand in a wallet, right? And your Algorand receives rewards on a weekly cadence um, and you can easily spend that. There's, there's no with like no period where it's held there's no obstacles for your ability to readily access those rewards. And so those are taxable upon receipt. Okay. Whereas if you had your stuff held at PolySign, because there's multiple signatories that have to sign for a transaction, um, it wouldn't be taxable. So you could continue to accrue those staking rewards on your Solana uh, through the standard custody account with no tax implications. Um, and as you know, 
more offerings come through that are delegated proof of stake, I think that they'll be able to facilitate that. We're looking at XDC, um, pushing them toward that. And obviously that's, that's delegated to a master node to be able to earn income. Uh, you're required to have 10 million XDC to facilitate that. But um, there's other assets that, that operate in the same fashion. Now, if you wanted to earn it on Ethereum, that's not currently possible because those assets have to actually be held with whoever is staking them in order to earn the rewards, right? So only in delegated uh, stake situations are, are they capable of facilitating staking on their platform. If this is a solution for someone that's listening in the audience, you know, that wants to take advantage of this, where can they go to learn more and get more information? If you, if you want to learn more about it, we our website is digitalfamilyoffice.io. You can go there. We have uh, all of our different services listed there, along with the custody solution that we provide. And there, there are some fees associated with this, you know, and you mm -hmm. probably would, would think about that, you know, if you did want it. So I'm just going to go ahead and lay those out here for you. Um, it is a thousand dollar onboarding fee. So if you've got like $10,000 and that's why we have the hundred thousand dollar minimum um, mm -hmm. along with, you know, that's kind of as low as they would let me go for any clients. And then um, there's a two basis point fee per month. So that's, that's how standard custody makes their money because they aren't taking leverage with your assets. They're not trading them. They're not earning any other fees. They're just providing custody and that's what you're paying for. So to break that down, you know, two basis points, what is that? That's 20 bucks for every hundred thousand that you have in the account. Um, and so those are the fees associated with it. If, if people were interested and where you can go to find it. Awesome. What about you? If someone wants to connect with you, they want to maybe work together, maybe want to talk about the digital ascension group and some other things you guys are doing. Um, how can they get in contact? Do you have a LinkedIn or email or where should they reach yeah. out? We're, we're on all social media platforms. So my handle on most of those is going to be beyond broke, um, which is a mastermind that we run uh, private funds oh, through. Cool. Um, but you can still go to that same website, digitalfamilyoffice.io, and there's a schedule of consult right through that platform. Or you can you know, just reach out on the contact us page there as well. Awesome. We'll put all the links in the description below so people can find everything. And uh, yeah, Jake, thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really good conversation. We talked about some really uh, fascinating things in regards to institutional custody. I even learned a few things that I didn't know uh, were going on in the space. So it's it's cool to see you know the the partnership and solution you guys are putting together with PolySign, and um, I think really taking that side of the industry a step forward for people that have digital assets. You know that want that trust, that security, that that type of protection as well as everything else you guys are doing in the uh, wealth management side of the space. So thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Anytime. Take care. We'll talk soon. Final message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting gives you so many options to bet, wager, play with a deep sports book from NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, MMA, to motorsports, poker, blackjack, esports, Rocket League, Call of Duty, you name it. There's plenty of diversity and choice. So go to nitrobetting.eu to experience everything they have to offer. All links are in the description for the episode and see you guys on the next one.